0: ECU, do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Steven Igo on 94.3 the game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 943theGame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. I right, welcome in Hoist the Colors
1: on this Thursday, February 22nd edition of the show going to be a baseball heavy show as we've got a lot to discuss we're still reacting to the loss to Campbell pirates first loss of the season and so we'll break that down with scott rogers who joins us in studio ecu play by play voice we'll look ahead to the upcoming series against north carolina we may look around the American if we have time. We uh, tried to, to look around the American as quickly as possible. Pre-show. Philip Pilkin is producing. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Drop us a question, comment. If you have one, we'll get to it over the next hour. Scott, baseball season is here and now you're going to be busy for the next. Four Ever. five months, uh, no breaks. So how how's uh, how's your first week been treating you?
2: It has been uh, very busy this week. We had uh, obviously baseball over the weekend. Coaches show on Monday, Tuesday. Campbell had women's basketball yesterday. Was with talk of the town this morning. Just finished up some prep on UNC a few minutes ago, and now I'm on with you. And I feel a nap in my future coming. <laughs> so last week you did all the like preseason interview
1: rounds. This week is it. A little less of that. I mean, you're still doing some stuff, but is it a little little less.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit less. It's more of the the note taking for right. broadcast stuff. Uh, you know, interviews this time of year is mainly pregame with with Coach Godwin, maybe an assistant coach here and there. Uh, you know, I'm gonna start on Fridays for teams that have radio. Grab their radio guy for a quick interview and just adding some uh, flavor to the broadcast. this year, we had the new opener that debuted this weekend. Uh, and just switching up some of those interviews, trying to switch things up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I heard. Uh, I haven't heard the opener, but I've seen like three or four people in Hoist the Colors comment on how much they've enjoyed it. So you must have done a good job with it. Good,
2: good. We uh, something i thought about, you know, probably a month or so before the year started, and I was like, yeah, let's let's switch this up a little bit, add some flavor to it, and uh, glad that it's been received well throughout the uh, listening audience.
1: All right, we'll have that opener for you going into Friday's game scheduled for a four o'clock first pitch. There is maybe some weather in the area uh, for Chapel Hill. We'll get into that series coming up. ECU three and one on the season, of course, just crushed a Rider in a non-competitive series. Really, thirty to two was the final score, and then midweek game. Campbell, Bowie's Creek, Pirates lose a tough one, 7-6. to six. What were your overall thoughts on the, the game at Campbell on Tuesday?
2: I think, you know, obviously it's, it's always tough playing Campbell. Campbell certainly is down from last year, but they still play tough. Justin Hare has them ready to go every single year, and, you know, when you look at what East Carolina did against them, I thought the two biggest takeaways was too many mistakes defensively, and then offensively, they just waited too late to start hitting. He didn't hit for those first four innings or so, and with Campbell, you know, they had that three run homer, they had those runs late and just never could, you know, sustain a lead for too long if East Carolina, you know, they had it going there to the bottom of the eighth and just couldn't hold it.
1: And uh you know, people I had this discussion a little bit yesterday with with Bobby and Kaysen, but it's like I think it's just the fact East has lost four straight to Campbell, so people are like you know, they can't handle it basically. And right. I understand it, like it's frustrating, but we're not
2: going to go fifty six and zero, right?
1: That too, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> and like Campbell too, it's they're a good team, man. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, they're down from last year. Uh, you know, it, with them being in the CAA now, RPI wise, you know this this loss is not going to mean a ton at the be- at the end of the year. In fact, you know, I, I, if I remember correctly, our RPI really actually went up after the game. On Tuesday with that loss. You know, you lose on the road, you lose against a quality opponent. Yes, you want to win. But when you look at it in the bigger picture, it's your first loss of the year. You move on and it's not going to hurt you that much down the road.
1: Now, if you, yeah, and if, if you lose every midweek game, yeah, then that's that hurts a different story. You. But this is one game. It's not like the committee is going to be like at the end of the year. Well, the Pirates have lost four straight against Campbell, dating back to last year. Like, no, last year has nothing to do with it. I think it's more just an ECU fan thing and losing to Campbell. And, look, it's four straight one-run losses. In the baseball world, you know as well as anybody Scott. got, one-run games, I mean, they say it all the time in Major League Baseball, if a team has a great one-run game record one year, usually it's going to average out the other way the next year, uh, the law of averages. It is pretty fluky to an extent. Again, credit the Campbell. They made the plays and uh, you give them credit for that. But my my thing is the defense coming out of this game. That was my concern going into the season. Uh, and, and the Pirates played, I don't want to say as bad as they could have played because they, they still made some key, they had some key moments offensively, but. They played sloppy and they still had a legitimate chance to win the game. And I think that's encouraging as as crazy as that may sound.
2: Yeah, and you know, and that was one thing, you know, you clean up some of that de- the defensive mistakes, whether that was, you know, with Starling with the ball being knocked out of his glove at the second on that still play where he's sitting there waiting for the the runner to tag and when they tag him, the ball runs right. out. Wilcoxon's throw into the outfield, uh Noak's drop ball in left field, just small things like that when you look at it, okay, well, that would be two outs at second base right Basically, there. Basically
1: all those led to runs.
2: Too. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, the home run with Grant Nipp, if I if memory serves me correctly, I think the other two runs on base, at least one of them came via a via walk. In mm-hmm. fact, it might have been both of them. So you take, yes. you take the walks into the equation. You take the defensive mistakes as well. You clean those up a little bit. And it's not like they're oh my god like this is crazy mistakes that we're making right now. What are we doing? It's just small things that you got to clean up, and this team certainly has the ability to do that and get right back on the right track.
3: And
1: it's that Bowie's Creek voodoo, man. It's uh, I don't know something something crazy. Yeah, no, Those also, games down there, it are just also crazy. doesn't
2: help when ball hits the ground and it goes an extra six inches under in yeah. air because of the turf.
1: Uh, Kurt Collins says, "Do we take midweeks more seriously this year?" Uh, I was not there Tuesday, but I mean, I don't think ECU has ever not taken midweek seriously. I, I would, I would like to see ECU at some point, Scott, get to a regular midweek starter if possible. I feel like Kaler could be that guy, but you also want him on the weekends. I, I would have liked to see him maybe go a little bit deeper into the game Tuesday, but I don't know. What do you make of that question about midweeks being taken more seriously?
2: I wouldn't say that they're taken you know, any more or less seriously overall. You know, obviously, East Carolina wants to win every single game they go out on the field, but you obviously want to put a bigger emphasis on those weekend games and use what you got left over for the midweeks. Yes, you might have an arm or two that you would like to have not available based off of what happened in the weekend, but I wouldn't say that it's you know any more or less serious than
1: Cliff. Cliff God wants to win every game. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, you know, especially against guys like Campbell and you know Duke coming up. You got NC State, all these games that East Q traditionally plays in the midweek, but. Yeah, you know, Yes, like you said, it would be nice to have that midweek starter definite, but you want to be able to use some of those arms on the weekend, too. And and with East Carolina's pitching depth this year, too, you know, if you have someone, let's say Chris Kaler is your, your midweek guy overall, and let's say we have a 12-inning game on a Saturday or something, you need him to come in. Okay, well, you've got plenty of guys behind him that could certainly start in a midweek game to pick up that slack. And so I think... You know, even if you don't have that set-on midweek guy this year, you've got plenty of options in the bullpen to take on that role.
1: And we saw East Carolina, speaking of being serious, I mean, they threw their best relievers, really. I mean, you look at it. It's not like EC was out there throwing a bunch of freshmen. We saw Eric Ritchie. We saw Wyatt Lunderman-Shinkman. We saw Jaden Winter, Danny Bills. I mean, those are your top bullpen arms for the most part, Scott. And, you know, you give up seven runs, but three of them earned. The last four runs, uh, I believe, or, or four of the, yeah, for the last five runs scored were unearned. So, that those defensive lapses late hurt. Uh, six walks, a little high, but thirteen Ks. Four straight games with double digit strikeouts for ECU. So, like, I feel like again, the stuff is there from the staff. The offense has continued to have quality at bats. It's just some of, this, some of this defensive stuff and some of the wild pitches has to be cleaned up. But I, I just don't think there's any cause for concern. And I, I think, too, we'll learn a lot more this weekend. I am much more invested in the results of this weekend. Even if ECU loses the series, I know they obviously want to win it, but they just need to look good this weekend or look more polished.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it's just cleaning up some of those mistakes. And it's not like we were booting balls all over the place on Tuesday night against camp. It was just little things here and there that ended up Costing East Carolina a couple of runs in that game, which probably would have ultimately given them a win on Tuesday night. But yes, you got plenty of opportunities to get those small things cleaned up. And as you said, you know, East Carolina, you know, I just got finished doing my UNC notes, matter of fact, before we went on the air. And looking at the Tar Heels numbers, certainly starting pitching wise, not as good as I thought they were going to be. Uh Folger Boaz on Friday night is gonna be their best arm that we see starting wise. The other two, Ben Peterson and Olin Johnson, didn't have the best of starts against Wagner, which is interesting considering the opponent. Right. Uh bullpen numbers wise were pretty good coming in. But it's gonna be a uh interesting series this weekend against North Carolina. Yeah, there's no
1: doubt. And uh, you know, they're they're always talented. They look like they can hit the ball. Um and we'll get into that here in a second. Kurt follows up, says, unfortunately, the midweek competition is stiffer than most of the conference opponents. Obviously, that doesn't apply to this weekend. Uh, he says, not all, but most. He says, but if you don't win the conference, definitely not hosting as a top 16, just a predicament. So, I mean, that is the problem. And again, we're getting more big picture here, Scott. But when you're in a perceived weaker league, you not only have to win the league, but you got to win enough midweek games, as we saw with ECU last year. So, Really, every game is vital because there's very little margin for error, which is pretty unfair, but that's just kind of the reality, too.
2: Right, and we're certainly not in a situation like Campbell was last year where you're having to take a guy off your weekend rotation and pitch him in those midweek games because those wins are so crucial. But yeah, I mean, you obviously want to win those midweek games. You want to win as much as you can, and. But still, you know, just like every team, everybody's going to have the focus on the weekend because obviously three wins versus one is going to look better on paper.
1: Aaron Craycraft, oh my lord, says uh, <laughs> crayon is watching on uh, Facebook. Is that a friend of yours?
2: That is a uh, a friend of mine, and that is okay. that is the crayon. That is his nickname. He's uh, I was
1: like, why is this guy commenting? Crayon
2: is watching. I <laughs> he, thought it was like a bot. He something. should be working right now. I don't know why he's on Facebook. Crayon, crayon, the reporting.
1: Yeah. Great uh, great nickname, Crayon.
3: Come on, cut him some slack, Scooter. This right. is lunch hour.
2: You've, you, you've yeah. talked to the Crayon before on the oh phone. Oh my
3: goodness, this guy.
2: He <laughs> me, calls Scooter. Me the crayon so
3: anytime Scooter and I are driving somewhere, he calls.
2: He calls it, me anywhere, actually. Yeah,
3: this guy might be the most entertaining guy I've ever talked to on the phone, both in the best way possible and in the worst way possible that you can say he's the most entertaining guy. Um, I'm intrigued.
1: I
2: want to call now. uh, If if he called in, we would have to have obscenity delay on.
3: Oh yeah, we would have to have like multiple dump buttons, so we're not gonna let him call in.
2: This this will tell you how well renowned Aaron Craycraft is. He has Ted Valentine's phone number in his phone. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty important. Come dude.
3: On, Scooter, you're not supposed to tell people who you have in your phone, much less who other people have in their phone. Well, because uh, now to. people are going to try and steal Aaron's phone and get TV Teddy's number to cuss him I mean, out. anybody really want to call he...
1: TV Teddy? Though.
3: Yeah, people hate TV Teddy. <laughs> but... They'd love to have his number and cuss at him. I'm sure. Ooh, that is true. I mean, maybe we should set I, that up. For no, sure. see, that's the thing, man. I remember. So we had Holton in one time. Number this number is, right now. So this is all stuff. We had Holton in one time, and he told he told Ben never. Let people know whose number you have on your phone. Cause they'll try and go through your phone. I think this was after he was like at the Peyton or the Manning passing academy. And that was his hint, like that he probably had one of their numbers. And Ben told me that. And I was like, yo, that's true. Cause people will try and go through your phone. And now Scooter's over that's here telling, telling people, people who other people have on right. their phone, much less his own stuff. Come on, Scooter.
2: Well, I didn't say the person's phone number out loud. Yeah, you did. You said, Look, I said, I don't the think anybody said his actual number. I, don't think I know, but now people are
3: going to try and go through Craig Craft's phone so they can get TV Teddy's number
2: though. If they want to go through his phone, more power to them. There's some scary things on that phone.
3: Fair enough.
1: Kurt says, I appreciate the the two of you guys and your baseball coverage. You both do a great job. Appreciate that, Kurt. Also, shout out to Philip because he's the one often producing not only this show but many of the broadcasts. Although, Joey Football has been producing. Appreciate it. Producing we had Joe, as well. Joe
2: on uh, women's basketball last night as well. Wow. No issues last tough game for uh East Carolina last night. Where, uh, yeah, so so they ended up dropping
1: that one. Danae had another good game, but just USF's good. Yeah, they they out.
2: are. They they have dealt with their share of injuries yeah. too. And I mean and last night, South Florida's picked first, East Carolina's picked second in the league and you know, it showed in that first half with the players both teams had eligible. Uh but South Florida got on about a ten, twelve point run – Midway through that third quarter, and that's what kind of separated going throughout the game, and East Carolina really just couldn't come back from it.
1: Been a frustrating year for Kimmy, Noah and and they're still look. I mean, they've kept their head above water despite the injuries, and it's just been some brutal luck too,
2: right? And the fact that they're you know still in the hunt for a top half finish in the league says a lot yeah. about the talent this team has going forward. All these young players playing right now, but it shows too, how good this team really could have been without the injuries this year,
1: no doubt. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll dive into the UNC series. I also want to get Scooter's take just on some of the big standouts from the first four games. We'll also talk about, you know, the, look, early in a baseball season, there's a lot of uh, things you can nitpick as far as lineup construction, all that sort of stuff. But, hey, that's our job as media fans of the game. So we'll discuss, like, maybe some things we would uh, potentially like to see or, uh, you know, changes ECU could make as the season develops. We'll discuss that as well. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday.
0: play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Steve I go. 1943, the game.
1: Alright, welcome back in Hoist the Colors. On a Thursday, we've got Scott Rogers in studio. We are previewing or about to preview the ECU UNC series, and uh, we'll dive into that and also uh, tomorrow we'll have Joey football on slash Joey baseball slash Joey basketball. <laughs> this time of year he does it all.
2: Did he end up eating his shoe?
1: So he I has missed not, that episode. he has not eaten his shoe yet. He uh, he gave us a a story that I don't believe at all. And come <laughs> to think of, I don't even know why it matters. But he, he Philip he gave us a story where he. Has some wallet that somehow ejected his debit cards behind his couch. So when he went to the store, he couldn't buy something and therefore could not eat his shoe.
3: But I'm like, because he couldn't come back home and didn't have time to go pick up the shoe he was supposed to eat. Yeah, like somewhere. what is that? Like that how makes zero really, sense.
2: How does a wallet put your cards I don't know. On Sarah on bought him some, some side a... of
3: wallet that you like press a button and it shoots the cards out. The problem was he sat That's down and had it in his back pocket and they were shooting out of his back pocket.
2: That sounds almost as yeah. frightening as when I was doing the game at Campbell and Gaylord. The camel's head That's appeared right. in front of me. Now I will I will I will say this on air because I texted Philip this. I had a very frightening experience at Campbell on Tuesday because I looked to the other end of the press box and Gaylord the Campbell camel had his helmet had his head off had wow. his head off. It was a headless camel down there. So you could see was, the real mascot. Yes, I could see it. I will not.
1: You should – can you, you – you've already disclosed information about yeah. Crayon's phones. You might as well just go ahead and tell everybody who the man behind the camel uh, mask is. It was a white male. I don't okay. know
3: his name. Okay, <laughs> so Dude, That's like that's like a cardinal <laughs> sin. Like you're only supposed to know who the Notre Dame mascot is because obviously he just right. dresses up like a leprechaun. But it was funny. I was at a game one time, and sorry to just go off topic on the show. I Go, uh, go for it, man. We're talking about
2: mascots that's now. That's true.
3: So it was the mascot ball was the halftime show at the Panthers game, and you had the NFL versus the college – well, instead of having the normal horse for the Colts, they had like this big blow-up thing. And it kept sacking the, D- the Blue Devil, who was playing quarterback. And every time, his head would pop off and like roll down the field, and it would decapitate him. So it was so funny, because all the other mascots would run and put their hands over the guy's face so that nobody could see who was in the Blue Devil. And then one mascot would go retrieve the head and like put it on, but they would like fall on top of him. And I don't know. It was funny.
1: Why is it such a big deal if we know who I know. is behind them? Like, why is that? Who cares?
3: Yeah. That's are, we, do
1: we, like, are we supposed to think that it's a real mascot? And, like, <laughs> that scene really on exists.
3: <laughs> Petey is a real person, I go.
1: By the way, I got to say I'm very disappointed in PD, and I don't know if he made it back, but as I was uh, making the trek from Clark and Claire Stadium on Sunday to basketball to see the end of the two-lane game, there was three minutes left, PD was leaving the basketball game. Oh, my. And I'm like, Bro. The game isn't over. East's about to win three in a row for the first time since entering the American men's basketball and the the mascot is leaving. I hope he didn't get scared by the angry wave Too late. <sighs> that uh yeah. don't they have like a pelican or something?
3: Yeah, is I'm wondering, what is their mascot? Or their They're
1: yeah. the
2: green wave, Philip.
3: I know, but what, what do they have? What what kind of <laughs> little no have, like, have, what, that's wave? That's their nickname. Around. What do they have you know? I think it's like I don't a, know if I they think, actually
2: I, have a mascot. I feel like it's a pelican. I have no idea. We're gonna, now we're gonna Google this. Paging Cory Glore.
1: Um, Tulane Green Wave mascot. Let's see if we can, yep. Riptide. Riptide the Pelican. Man, that is ugly. (laughs) Uh, and there's like an actual fake wave, but it's not a real mascot. It's just a statue. Kind of like the Pop Tart. Yeah. They could, they ate the Pop
3: Tart, man. The thing was real. It was like a real Pop Tart.
1: He's dead now. That yeah. Pelican has got to be one of the worst mascots I've seen. Well, now, breaking news, Igo hates Tulane's mascot. Add it to the list, baby. Oh, uh, goodness.
3: Joey Football just sent us a video. It's probably him responding to our, us calling him out. About we've got to watch this BS, during our Joey. next next break and tell the listeners about Joey's excuse.
1: Joey Football will be in tomorrow, and we're going to play the, uh, the Mike Schwartz audio. We talked to him today. For a solid minute, 32 seconds to preview the Rice game. No questions, guys? Hey, Joey Football did ask one question. Uh, One other lady did ask a question there, and that was it. Now, we do talk to Mike Schwartz every Monday at the Coaches Show, so you can get a lot of info there if you want to go back. But we'll preview Rice tomorrow because that comes up Saturday, same time as the UNC ECU baseball game, 2 o'clock on Saturday. All right. Enough of the non nonsense. Scooter, there is a, a pretty big baseball series going on this weekend. Really? Yeah, UNC okay. East Carolina. How first off before we dive into some of the specifics, how much do you kind of enjoy just as a baseball fan this early season a you know, series that matters and the traveling aspect of it? Chapel Hill on Friday, Fayetteville Saturday, Greenville Sunday.
2: I love it. You know, obviously it's such a huge series this early in the year, but it gives you the chance from the traveling aspect to play in all three ballparks. And I love going to Boschmer Stadium. It's one of the best ballparks East Carolina plays in all year. Uh, You know, obviously East Carolina will travel well to it. It's going to be uh, quote-unquote it's sold out. We'll see how many uh, people are actually wearing blue in the stands on that game. But, it's it's one of the best playing surfaces East Carolina will play on too and obviously you're you're playing a very quality opponent in North Carolina and that's one that's one good thing about this series overall is it helps both teams when you get down to it. Obviously North Carolina will enjoy if they win, or or lose because with the way RPI works, you can lose and still get points. Uh, same thing for East Carolina. It helps East Carolina so much with wins against North Carolina as well. And then, you know, you mentioned the traveling aspect. You get to play in a minor league ballpark on that Saturday game this year in Fayetteville at Segra Stadium. We played there last year against Campbell and such a nice, nice stadium. I mean, I think it's only three years old, maybe. I think it opened in 2020, somewhere in that so
1: range. So, I was just about to say, yeah, April 18th, 2019. Okay. So, So, pretty, pretty much brand new as far as stadiums go.
2: Yeah, and, and it's perfect size. You know, I actually looked this up yesterday. I think there's about 4,600 actual seats there, and then add on about four to five more thousand when you add in the standing room and the grassy areas and the outfield, and so... It's going to be a heck of a crowd there on Saturday as well. Hopefully, a lot of people come because, like I said, it's a great ballpark. Uh, it's, it's a great game day atmosphere as well. And with the that Saturday game is always a fun one. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup with Zach Root throwing on the mound that game, and uh, I believe it's Ben Peterson going for North Carolina on Saturday. And so, uh, and then obviously on Sunday in Clarksdale is going to be an amazing atmosphere with it being sold out, and just with it being North Carolina, it's going to be rocking as usual.
1: And it was sold out quickly. What did they announce that? Like Monday that it was sold out, maybe Tuesday and Clark and Claire for the Sunday game. So looking forward to that should be great crowds, all three games and East Carolina and, you know, just North Carolina, basically perennial regional contenders every year, you know, at the least fringe regional host, uh, when these two teams are doing good, ECU obviously has hosted a bunch recently, UNC, not quite as much, but they've still hosted a number of times the last few years. Um, and so, you know, I don't. I always hate this argument, but I feel like this series is more important for ECU because UNC. You know, you just look at their schedule. Once they get in the ACC play, they're playing almost regional teams every week. You know, right. Miami, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Virginia, Notre Dame, NC State, Virginia Tech,
2: and then you throw in the midweeks. The midweeks, Charlotte, Campbell, obviously uh, UNCW. I think they even play South Carolina maybe once or twice in the midweek as well. And so their non-conference and their conference schedule is just so good. Outside of these, you know, Wagner and 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 teams like that with the series early in the year, and it makes it you
1: know tough on ECU because you're playing ar- arguably your marquee series right out of the gate, and uh, kind of hurts your margin for error. But at the same time, g- gives you a great opportunity as well. I would say on paper, Scott, just kind of look knowing these two teams, and you dove into it much more than me. Starting pitching, ECU would seem to have an advantage just due to experience. UNC's young arms are talented, but they obviously lost some guys uh, to injury this preseason. How would you kind of measure the uh, you know the projected starters going through the weekend?
2: Yeah, Fulcher, Boaz, Friday, uh, Ben Peterson on Saturday, and then Olin Johnson on Sunday as their rotation. Boaz was in contention to be in this rotation already as a freshman before the injuries, and they, he was really going to be in that Sunday role. They moved him into the Friday spot after Jake Knapp went out for the year with his in- arm injury. And Boaz had a really good start last weekend. I think he went five innings, only gave up a, a run and a few hits. Uh, really talented arm. I actually saw uh, going back to my little league days, Folger Boaz pitched against uh, Greenville in their state tournament the year they went to Williamsport, and arguably he was better. That team was better than Greenville that year, in my opinion, and they were able to get by him. And he was throwing 75 miles an hour as a 12-year-old. Right. So yeah, I mean, so he's he's always been good. He was a two-sport athlete in high school. Uh, you know He was conference player of the year, I think, two years in a row is what I saw in his bio for football. That's not even mentioning his baseball. And so you have a very talented athlete on the mound there. So the Pirates will certainly have their hands full on Friday night with him. Peterson and Johnson, uh, their numbers certainly are interesting. They did not have the best of starts against Wagner. I think Peterson's numbers were actually worse than Johnson's, if I remember correctly. And so that that kind of raises your eyebrows a little bit, just because of the opponent they had. But as East Carolina always is, you have to go in not thinking about anything. You have to play your brand of baseball. But from a fan perspective, media perspective, that's certainly something you want to watch as those Saturday and Sunday starters for North Carolina.
1: Yeah, interesting. You know, starting two freshmen in the weekend rotation, obviously talented, and in the bullpen. Before we get into their offense. Very familiar names. I mean, guys that have been here at least a few years. Dalton Pence, I feel like he pitches against ECU every time, uh, the Pirates play the Tar Heels. Uh, Matthew Mateus, we all know Greenville guy and, uh, guy. No. yeah. He, so he didn't pitch against ECU last year, correct? Correct. So I would expect, you know, two appearances already in the first four games for the Tar Heels. He, he you'll, met, you'll see he him at some point this week. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Connor Bevere is another guy. I remember Cameron Paget from last year, so you, you have some of these names that we definitely uh definitely recognize,
2: yeah, you do, and you know you mentioned Mateus, who we didn 't see him last year, but made an impact as a freshman really came on strong towards the end of conference play last year uh, Connor Beauvair Cameron Padgett, these are all names that we 've seen for the past two or three seasons and East Carolina certainly had some issues with Beauvais last year. Did Did Philip just die back there? He did. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we may I may need to throw it to break. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's so many so much experience in this bullpen for North Carolina. But the good thing is, is, East Carolina has seen a lot of these arms before, so they'll know what to expect. Hitting wise, UNC.
1: I mean they they've always been able to mash the ball. Obviously, Vance Honeycutt. We all know he's already got three home runs this year. And had had a sophomore slump compared to expectations, Scotts. But usually, you know, we saw it with Josh Moylan. Usually, guys that have that sophomore slump the junior year they rebound, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does that and kind of leads the way for the Tar Heels this year.
2: Yeah, and Honeycutt, you know, coming in as a freshman, you knew two years later that this guy is going to be a probably top ten pick in a Major League Baseball draft this year. Still has the chance to be a first round pick this year, but Casey Cook has been the name that has really emerged from North Carolina over the weekend. I think he's hitting six hundred right now. And you know, when you look across the infield and and really defensively for North Carolina and there's not a bad player out there in terms of position wise. And you know, they have a new catcher this year with Tomas Frick graduating. Finally. Yeah. But it, you don't have to deal with Mac Horvath at third this year. He's another one that killed East Carolina, killed everybody offensively. But you still have a lot of good talent out there for the Tar Heels. And, you know, offensively, their numbers are, are kind of weird coming in. They were, they've walked, I think, 40 times already offensively. And so they didn't face the best of pitching, it seems. Over these, They're averaging
1: or, 10 walks a game.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, how good are these numbers actually? You know, are they inflated a little bit because of that? And so – you know, what's what's going to be their adjustment to much better pitching come this weekend?
1: It'll be interesting. I do remember last year they were very patient but also had some, some swing and miss to their game for sure. I mean, you look at it, 40 walks, almost 30 strikeouts. So if you're ECU, you attack the zone easier said than done. you got to make quality pitches. But I feel like this could be a good matchup for ECU. Again, we'll see how it plays out on the field. Should be an interesting series. Again, Friday in Chapel Hill. Fayetteville Saturday and Sunday in Clark Claire. Are there any chances, guys, that we get uh, powder blue versus powder purple this weekend? I would love it.
2: I think it would look great. What do you
1: think, Philip? Is he alive back there? Are you I all right for sure? Yeah.
3: Off? <laughs> I could see it happening on Sunday, maybe.
1: What if he sees going for the sweep, though? You can't oh, wear yeah. powder. No, no. You got to wear powder gold. purple with the camo hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, feel like Saturday is the game, guys. Neutral sight. Powder blue. I think we wore them there
2: last year against Campbell. Yeah, so let's do it. I mean, why not? Hey, as long as I can see the numbers from the press box, that's all I care about.
3: <laughs> Nothing's more ugly than baby blue, so no, here, being... here
2: comes the Duke talk, yeah. Philip.
1: <laughs> I think I think Saturday should be it. I'm going to call it right now. We saw
2: purple. We saw regular
1: purple Tuesday at Campbell.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Is this your? Do we have an Anson Belt Lock of the Week? His Anson Belt Lock of the Week is that ECU will wear powder purple.
1: <laughs> there we go. Saturday in Sacred Stadium because I think Friday, I'm going to go. uh I'm going to go Purple Tops Friday. you going Purple Tops? Purple Tops. I'm going Black Tops Friday.
2: Ooh, that yeah. that could happen, too. I think
3: we were black there last year, didn't we, on Sunday?
2: Yes, that is correct.
3: All I remember is that game was cold.
2: Yes, it was. It was. It was like cold.
3: overcast and sixty-five, and I thought that meant that warm, humid, overcast sixty-five. And I wore shorts and a collared shirt. I about froze to death.
2: Mistake. Yep. You never know. Friday, With, uh, Friday weather-wise, weather North temperature doesn't look terrible right now, but it's going to be wet. Yeah. You you know problem. that it's going to be raining in the morning, and so it could be a very cold, high fifties, low sixties on Friday.
1: It would be nice to just be able to wear a gray road baseball jersey but you know that's not an option apparently not with adidas sounds like all right let's get a break in we'll come back we'll take a look around the american also still got to get some thoughts from scooter on ecu's early season performance as a team and we'll discuss that we'll maybe talk some hoops as well to close out the show this is hoist the colors on
0: a thursday go back to hoist the colors with steve and i ninety-four-three. the game All right, welcome back
1: in, Hoist the Colors. We have a video submission from Joseph Sampson proving that his wallet does indeed shoot out uh, his cards. And uh, I got to say... That's a weapon. That a is, first off, a weapon. Second off, a way too easy way to lose your cards. Um, I lose my cards with a wallet that does not shoot them out. So I don't want to have a wallet that shoots him out. I feel like you would. uh... Luckily, I, knock on wood, I have never lost a wallet in my life. It's coming. Yeah, I've also never, especially been, with as much as you travel with the
2: team. And I've also never been pulled over in my life. Now nah, you just you're just jinxing yourself. Like he talks crazy. about
3: that all the time. We on road trip. Never been pulled over.
2: I am proud of that, Philip. I am a responsible driver. <laughs> no, you're lucky. Cause you drive fast. No, I'm responsible.
1: Crayon says, for the record, I am always working, but do not listen to Scooter. Oh. Uh, he says, I am always available to call into the show. No. Well, Crayon, no. when we have a slow time, we'll let you know. No,
3: he'll get his fine. Seriously.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. L-
3: Henry will fire me if Crayon calls into the show.
1: A little bit of breaking news. If you haven't seen it on social media and you're listening, uh, Friday's first pitch pushed back to 5 p.m. in Chapel Hill. It was originally scheduled for a 4 o'clock first pitch, and we kind of discussed this earlier, but there was some weather in the forecast. So this earlier in the day, the weather is uh, forecasted to hit, so this kind of gives them a little bit more buffer time going into the evening game.
2: It does, and uh, you know maybe a little bit extra crowd to get there too, give them a little more time just because it is 5 o'clock versus 4. But, uh, you know, yeah, give them, give them another hour, get that field dry a little bit, and uh should be a great one Friday.
1: Nick Wedby chimes in, he says, "Scooter is the goat, so apparently this is okay. your chat, apparently so. um we have more viewers on YouTube, but like Facebook is just being taken over by the commenters. so, wow. all your friends are watching through Facebook. There must be some some big uh some big Facebook guys. Um, all right, early season thoughts gotta get Joe off my computer screen uh as see he pops up again. All right, early season thoughts from this team. What what aspects of this uh this whether it be individual players or just uh pitching anything that's really stood out from a positive standpoint from the Pirates through four games?
2: I think the biggest positive has been the pitching side. And like we said, we had those walks against Campbell the other night, but just yeah. overall, you know, and, and you know, I've told people too, regardless of who your opponent is, you give up two runs in a weekend. That's that's hard to do. Usually you see some fluke you know,
1: or a series of walks from like some some young relievers, like right. a Fluke hit, but I mean, they get two solo home runs.
2: Yeah, and and one of those runs came off Atreya Savage yeah. on Friday night, and so you know these these younger arms that got in there certainly did a good job. Uh, you know, was really impressed with some of them as well, and you know that that right there proves that there's a lot of young talent on this pitching staff to go along with the already bullpen depth we knew that was coming back.
1: Batting-wise or position player-wise, Jacob Jenkins-Cowart off to a strong start. I know he struck out a few times on Tuesday, but then had a good hit to lead off the ninth. Uh, How important is that development early in the season and anybody else really catching your eye early on?
2: I think really the one that has really caught my eyes been Dixon Williams at the play. I I thought he was going to have a good year at third, but the start that he's had, especially in the RBI category, he's knocked in, I think, five or six already this year. And for him to have that hot start shows how much talent he's got. He's carrying everything over that he did in the summer, also in the fall for East Carolina. And, you know, had that one mistake at third on, uh, on Tuesday night, but offensively he's, he's right there. If you clean up, you know, a couple of things here and there defensively, Dixon Williams is going to be a heck of a third baseman for this program.
1: And I feel like, I mean, for the most part, you kind of know most of the positions who you're going to see every day, I guess now it's just more first base. You know, how much do we see McCrestal, McCrestal, McChrystal catch, uh, who's going to DH. And then for me, the, the question mark is the, the left field spot. Um, right. As long as Riley Johnson is healthy and playing to this level, I think he's going to start in center. So, you know, we've seen no walk out there. We know Carter Cunningham can go play out there. We know Bristol Carter can play out there. You got the cam Claunch factor, you know, if, you can move Carter to left, get Claunch at first base. Like, I think Claunch needs more at-bats at this point, and I know that, uh, you know, he he's provides a, a, a big bat off the bench, but, I mean, almost every one of his at-bats thus far has been – productive, hit or not. And so where do you maybe stand on some of those things as far as trying to figure out those, you know, last few positions early in the season?
2: I think you hit it, you know, it's really first and left field. What we're going to see some switches at. we saw Sunday where Cunningham was moved out there, where Clonch got the start at first. And I think you could see that lineup a lot. Um, you, know, you know, maybe you see something like that. No walks at DH. Or maybe a Bristol Carter in left field, and you just give Clanch the day off or something like that. But there's certainly so many options at DH. Obviously, Clanch, you've got McChrystal. uh, You know, Noah could come out of the field defensively and and hit Chaz Myers, you know, who we've seen at DH twice now to start the year. There's so many bats on this bench that could fill that spot. And, And with left field, you know, obviously Bristol Carter is one that could go out there. We saw Carter Cunningham on Sunday play in the outfield, and so you've got the options there. And the same thing at first base, you've got Cunningham and you've got Cam Claunch who are both could start at, at pretty much any team right now in the country at first base.
1: And uh, there were some comments on hoist the colors about you know Will Cox and on uh, Tuesday. You
2: know, I think it was just a bad. I think night. it was an
1: off night, man. Yeah. I mean, he pr- he's proven over the last. I mean, he's got as much of a track record as anybody defensively right. that he is a really good defensive
2: catcher. Absolutely, and he's gotten better, uh, which is hard to say because he's been so good consistently. And, you know, he made that one bad throw to second base. You know, there was a couple he of He also basketball. put
1: one on the money to Starlin. Right. And the like, the that was an absolute and, seed. I mean, yeah, and yep. the
2: guy slid in and knocked it out of his glove. Uh, and you know, you had a pass ball here and there, but like you said, you know, everybody's going to have their off night. And if you have it this early in the season, that's a good thing going down the road.
1: No doubt. I expect them to bounce back and you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to get McChrystal in there more as well. All right. So there's kind of your report on ECU baseball. Let's take a look around the American. (laughs) So yeah, we were all worried about opening day. What was it, guys? Like There were, what, two American teams that won on opening day? Opening day was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit better after that. Charlotte did end up winning a game versus Virginia Tech. Tulane won, I think, two out of three versus Northwestern. Uh Vanderbilt and FAU matched up. FAU lost two out of three but easily could have won that series. Anything else or any – I
2: don't know, man.
3: is not terrible, and UAB took two out of three against them. Um,
2: yeah, but UAV was not good last year. Not now,
3: but I, th- I think but the I mean, Kennesaw this, was better yeah. than them last year, so maybe they've improved.
2: What but do we, think what do we
3: UTSA think? made it play like Arlington and Arlington's bad.
1: Uh, I just don't know what to make of this league in baseball. Yeah, Rice got swept by Notre Dame and my computer just,
2: <laughs> I was, did, I was looking at his and just disappeared.
1: Uh, so I've got D1 baseball up, did not even press anything and the website just. Refreshed. Maybe it has an automatic refresh built in, but it just – that was weird. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. This, this league, I feel like it's – I do think FAU and
2: Charlotte are going to bring something to the league, but outside of that, I just – I don't know. I don't see a whole lot. UTSA is a team I think that could make an impact at the top, but I just don't think we've seen enough yet from Tulane, Rice, UAB, teams like that to see exactly what they have. Uh, you know, we saw some flashes this weekend from Tulane against Northwestern, uh, and, and we've seen flashes from all of them as as well. But I just don't think we've seen enough from the majority of the conference to see what they really have this year. Rice did pick
1: up a midweek win over Sam Houston. It would be really cool to have Rice and Tulane good at baseball again. Absolutely. I mean, that used to be like what I grew when I when I grew up watching ECU baseball. Like those were the series you got extra excited for because usually they were top twenty-five caliber teams, just like ECU. They were regional caliber teams, and now you know Tulane had what sixteen wins last year going to the conference tournament. Think so. Yeah. Um, Rice has been bad, so for this conference to be good at baseball, those two teams eventually, whether it's this year or later, have to be good at baseball.
2: Right, and you know, in, in getting them back to where they were would be obviously huge for the conference because with what Charlotte's doing, Robert Woodard's doing a great job building that program to where it can be. If you have four teams in your league that could year in and year out be in the NCAA tournament and you get three to four bids a year, including that automatic qualifier, that would be huge for the American. It would help East Carolina so much in terms of seating.
1: There's no doubt. I think it's it's. – we'll see how – and it's very early. I mean, 56-game schedule, three, four-game sample size. Really can't draw too much. But early returns mixed for the American Athletic Conference. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll get keys to the weekend. We'll also talk some pirate hoops as well as they get prepared to take on the Rice Owls and try and win four in a row on Saturday. This is Hoist the Colors. We will be right back.
0: Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How great is this? On four three? The Game.
1: Welcome back in Hoist the Colors on this Thursday. We've talked a lot of baseball. Let's get some hoops discussion in real quick as well. Kind of a crazy night last night in the AAC. South Florida struggles with UTSA but finds a way to win 66-61 on the road. They are now 13-1 and in the American. Amazing. It's, I mean, it really is. 20 wins already for uh, for uh the Bulls. Rice, ECU's opponent on Saturday, goes to UAB as 11-point dogs, and they win 94-71. to Can't say I saw that coming. Not at, I at all. I mean, UAB, one of the better home court advantages in the league, uh, Phillip, does this is this a good thing or a bad thing for ECU going into the Saturday? Because I feel like Rice was struggling a little bit. Maybe they come into Saturday now feeling a little high. They've actually been better on the road than at home this year. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it's all about how Rice Handles goes about this. The, yeah. yeah. Do they feel too good about themselves saying, hey, look what we just did on the road. Now it's going to be easier at home. Or do they come in going, hey, we've struggled this year. We found what works for us. So, in a way, I don't want to say Rice determines the outcome of this game, but to an extent they do. Now, of course, look, the Pirates are hot. The Pirates also were struggling at one time and now feel like, hey, we figured out what's working for us. But this year with this conference, with how wacky it's been, it's almost hard to put too much stock into any one game and see how it's going to affect the next one because it has been so diversified this year in a good way. So, I don't know. I'm not going to put too much stock into it. You just got to trust that we go out there or efficient offensively, trust that Jaden Walker's going to have eight-plus assists, and if both those things happen, I ain't worried.
1: Phillip not worried if the Pirates play their game. and Philip yeah. ain't got no worries. We were joking yesterday talking about how Memphis was a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Charlotte. Well, Kaysen was a non-believer in the 49ers, and he was dead right. Memphis hammers Charlotte 76-52. Another weird team that makes no sense, uh, the Memphis Tigers. They're now 8-6 and six in the American. They lost to Rice at home a few weeks ago. Wichita State beats Tulsa 79-63. What do you make of this conference, Scooter?
2: Does, well, I'll ask this first. Yeah. If Memphis continues like this, does Penny Hardaway keep his job? Like the up-and-down nature? Right. Because obviously <sighs> Memphis fans are not happy right, right now.
1: I just don't know. I don't know what his contract situation is. I have no enough. idea.
2: But there's no reason why they should be no. Bad, with, their, with their talent
1: level, they should be. I mean, they should they should be winning this league. They should the be least. a fringe
3: second weekend yeah. team in the tournament. Yeah, I mean,
1: they're tied with ECU in the standings right now for sixth place. I mean, if I'm Memphis and I'm pouring the money I am into basketball, that is unacceptable to be sixth place.
2: Absolutely, and this is a game East Carolina could easily win next thir- Thursday. absolutely yeah, right. Thursday yep. night, yeah. Uh, But it just blows my mind the year that Memphis has had, especially the way they started, too. Because the way they started, I mean, it was like, okay, they might run through the league here. They
1: crushed non-conference. Penny famously said in the preseason something to the – I don't remember the exact quote, but he was basically like, the non-conference season is the only one that matters for us. He basically said, like, the conference doesn't matter. Well, good job, Penny. You, You blew your chance in that large in conference play by losing to USF, Tulane, Rice, North Texas, SMU, and UAB. So congrats. And you're about to lose to ECU uh, in a a week. They do play FAU on Sunday at home. I'm calling a win in that game and then the letdown loss at ECU. Really hoping the Pirates scooter can win at Rice and take a four-game winning streak with Buzz into Memphis. That would would create, I think, a pretty big-time atmosphere next Thursday.
2: Absolutely. And, And already with it being Memphis, it's going to be a great atmosphere. But you add what hopefully will be a four-game win streak coming in. Minji's is going to be rocking next Thursday. And, you know, it, it's been a while since we've gone into a conference game, I feel like, with a win streak like this, if it's ever happened before, honestly. Gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, in the American, I, never. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it builds excitement. And I think, you know, I, personally, I don't think this win streak's getting the credit it's deserved. You know, there hasn't been a ton of – media attention i think baseball has drawn some of that away from it but this basketball program is in a really good spot right now and you know if they could win four straight it shows what this team we thought was going to be coming into the year they're finally starting to play that way yeah and if you take away some of these these dumb losses at the beginning of the year like the george mason loss uh you know south carolina was a game we should have won florida's a game we should have won uh East Tennessee State. You take you take all these losses. This team could easily be close to twenty wins right now.
1: All right, twenty seconds or so. Your biggest key to ECU baseball winning the series this weekend. Uh,
2: awesome. Pirates have got to pitch well, and I think score early is going to be one of the biggest things from the offensive perspective.
1: Score early. Something they did versus Rider did not do against the camel fighting camels, and that just that changes the pressure so much. So good. Good, uh, good point for sure. Good stuff, Scooter. Absolutely. Appreciate it as always, Philip. Thank you. Behind the scenes tomorrow, we'll have uh, Joey football. Will he eat his shoe or if throw he, cards at you? If he throws cards and doesn't eat his shoe, and comes up with another excuse, he's fired. I might excuse not let him Samson. back on the show ever again. So oh, wow. tune in for that, and we'll have our NASCAR segment, hoist the colors Friday. Vroom, vroom.
0: This has been Hoist the Collars with your host, Steven Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943theGame.com on Twitter.